Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. And if you're with us for the first time, or maybe you're worshiping online for the first time, welcome. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and I'm so glad that you're with us. We are kicking off a brand new series called A Vision for the Future. A Vision for the Future. We're going to be taking the next three weeks and talking about where God is calling us to go as a church together. What is the picture look like where Jesus is leading us and what does that mean for each of us? And so I promise you the next three weeks are going to be great. Um, if it's your first time here at NCC, you're going to get a good picture of what's one of our main focuses here. What is it that Jesus is speaking to our hearts and what does that look like? And so at the end of 2019, the very beginning of 2020, our leadership team went away and we began to pray of God, what could the next five years look like here at New Community Church? What is it that you're speaking to us? And many of you guys know this because you've walked through the lobby and you've seen that large lobby display there that has our goal and our focus, kind of the vision that God has given us. You've sat in services like this and we've talked about it, but we've said by 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. So we've done this before, but we're going to do this again this morning. If you're watching online, do this with us. I want us to say this out loud together. So here we go, you guys. By 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. So that's the vision. That's the picture that God has given us. And let me tell you, that's not Pastor Aaron's vision, okay? That's not the organization. Yeah, like my church out there, they're doing that. I need each of you guys to own that, okay? That's each and every one of us. We're a part of that. That's what God is calling us to together as a church. That by 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. Now, this morning, we're just going to focus on the first part of that, okay? So if you want to know what do those campuses look like, what do we even mean by that, you're going to want to be here the next two weeks, okay? Because we're going to jump into that. But this morning, I want us to begin to ask some questions about discipleship. What does that mean? What does that look like? What are we talking about here at NCC when we talk about making a thousand disciples across three NCC campuses? And we're going to start by doing this together. You may have noticed if you're here in person for the first time in a long time, when you walked in, there is a card in the seat pocket in front of you. And I need you to get that. Or if you have your smartphone, you can take out, um, that out and open up the NCC app and go to sermon notes because we're going to do something. So I need everyone to have one of those. Or even just your phone if you just want to open up a blank note. Because I'm going to need you to write some things down, okay? Here's what we're going to do. Before I jump into the message and kind of explain some Bible verses, I want you to reflect on some scripture. And so this is how we're going to start. You're going to write down these three questions or, or kind of these three thoughts. And then you're going to reflect on them in a moment in Scripture. So the first thing you're going to write down, and if you have the app, it's already in there. So you don't have to actually write it. Um, you can just look at it there. The first is, what did you notice? What did you notice about this Bible verse? So write that down because you're going to need to think about that in a moment. What did you notice? The second is, what questions do you have? I'm going to read the Scripture verse, and you may say, Jesus, what did you mean by that? Or why did you say that? Write that question down, okay? What questions do you have? And then the third is, what stands out? 
I know this may sound exactly like the first. Maybe it is, okay? But just write that down. What stands out? Did something jump kind of off the page at you? Did you recognize something? If you have the NCC app, there's actually two verses you can reflect on. Um, If you're watching the screens in here in person, we're going to have just one verse that we're going to reflect on so we can kind of go back and forth with it. But this is the verse. So we're going to, I'm going to read this out loud. And then we're going to leave it up on the screens kind of going back because it's kind of in two sections here. And I want you to just write down for a moment or two what questions, what did I notice, what stood out about this verse. Here we go. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I've got a timer right here on my watch. And I'm going to go ahead and start that. And I'm going to be quiet for a second. I want you to just write down, what did you notice? What questions do you have? What stood out to you? Let's do that together. Okay, so we're going to stop there. You could take a little bit more time. And hey, this is a great practice. If you've never done this before, because sometimes you hear a scripture and a message, you're like, hey, that sounded pretty good. Or you read a Bible verse, but you don't ever stop and reflect on it. Or I don't ever stop and reflect on it. But to actually wrestle through, hey, Jesus, what were you saying? That's, That's good because it helps us kind of dig into the scripture of what's happening there. So those questions or those kind of thoughts there are good to use. I want you to think about this as I was thinking through this scripture and reading through this and this idea of discipleship. The thing that stood out to me the most in the very first a couple of years ago when I began to just kind of really focus on this verse is, what did you mean by making disciples? Like, is that related to baptism and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you? Or is that something different that you've already shown us in this story that we're just kind of getting the end picture, kind of this last words of Jesus right here? Like, what did you mean by that? And so I remember going back to the very first time, and this is in Matthew 4. And once again, if you had the sermon notes, you may have reflected on that verse. Because this is the first time that Jesus talks to these young men 
And he says this, come and follow me. And this was this idea of making disciples, of discipleship. Jesus is inviting them into this disciple-making process with him. Now, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what? There's a lot of times where we, we don't really understand what it means to follow Jesus. And we have this different picture of this disciple-making process of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so that timer's going off, so let me stop that. Okay, so let me give you an illustration because this is kind of what I thought of. And this is probably a bad dad moment. Just going to be honest up front with you, okay? But sometimes our family will be out at a store or we'll be like in the grocery store or Walmart or maybe somewhere, and I'll get a text or an email from someone, and I have to respond right away. So Gabe, come up here and help me real quick. So this is what I do as a dad. I don't want to walk away from my family, but I need to get to this text or email. And so I'll be like, hey, Gabe, I'm just going to follow you. Okay, so Gabe will start walking, and I won't even be paying attention to what he's doing. And I'll just do this, right? And I'll read this text, and I'll be doing that. So if Gabe turns around, like, I'm, I'm kind of looking at his feet, but I'm looking at this. If he stops, I stop. Like, I'm following him, right? I'm trusting in that moment Gabe's not going to run me into someone else. He's not going to run me into a clothing aisle, right, in Walmart, and I'm going to trip and fall and embarrass myself. Like, Gabe loves me enough, right? Hopefully he loves me enough that he's going to lead me in a way that's good, right? But I'm not really paying attention to Gabe. Gabe's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing, right? Thanks, Gabe. Appreciate that. You guys, that's how some of us are treating Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I got my hand on your shoulder, and I'm going to trust that you're not going to mess up my life. You're not going to run me into anything or do anything really bad. But you do your thing, and I'm going to kind of do my thing, and we'll do this thing together. And we think that's what he meant when he said, come follow me. That's this idea of discipleship that Jesus was talking about. And yet as you read through the story in the life of Jesus, it looks totally different. It's a totally different picture. I more think of, and I won't have Sarah come up here on stage, but the last time we did a cruise, Sarah's like, I want to take a dancing class. And if you know this about me, I have no rhythm, okay? So I was like, oh, man. But I love my wife, so I was like, we'll do this dancing class together. And so I'm dancing in close proximity with Sarah, but my eyes and my focus are on the teacher. And I'm just trying to do whatever moves they're doing. Like, I probably look so funny, but I'm just trying to keep up. And, like, they have my attention and my focus. And I'm really close to Sarah, but I want to make sure that everything the teacher does or the instructor, that I'm doing that. And that's what it's like with Jesus. You're at work, but Jesus still has your attention. You're with your family, but Jesus still has your focus, right? You're driving down the road. You're doing these other things, but your eyes are still on him. And wherever he's moving, you're moving. Whatever he's doing, you're doing. You're not doing your own thing, and Jesus is doing his own thing. No, you're moving in unison together. That's what discipleship looks like. And we don't know how to disciple other people because many of us, we still haven't gotten this figured out. We're still trying to do our own thing and hoping Jesus is doing our, his own thing and he doesn't wreck or destroy our life and we're just kind of along for the ride and it looks totally different. He said, no, this is studying me. This is being close to me. This is us walking together. And as you begin to break down and reflect and read on the gospels, you see this disciple-making process because this is how Jesus lived his life. This is what he did day in and day out for the three and a half years that we see him 
in the Gospels, his life, his teachings, his death, his, his resurrection. This is what he does. He's so great at it. And when we talk about making disciples here at NCC, that process of studying Jesus' life and, and flowing, this is what we mean. is We mean that we walk in close relationship with each other. That's disciple making here at NCC. And we have open and honest conversations with each other. That's what we mean. Now, there's a lot of components that we've tried to create these spaces and these ways to do this. But when you break it down, when you read the Gospels, these are two things that stand out in the life of Jesus. He walks in close relationship with other people, and he has these deep, open, honest conversations with others. This is how Jesus makes disciples. But can I be honest? We mess this up as the church. We mess it up so many times. This is what we do instead of Jesus' way of making disciples. This is what we do. We take family and we make it into a foster care system. We take the family of God and we make it into a foster care system. In the book of John, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. you so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is saying this disciple-making process is rooted and grounded in this idea of love. And the way that you treat one another, the way that you interact with one another, your love for one another will be a picture to the entire world. Hey, that person belongs to Jesus. Hey, that person's following Christ. There's something different about that individual because I see the way that they love and that they care for one another. I see those deep family close relationships that they are in with one another. That's the imagery that God gives us. Hey, we're a family together. So if you're physically in this room this morning, just look around. Okay, Take a quick glance around at the people in front of you, behind you. If you're watching online, maybe you can think of some people, yeah, that you know their faces. Just picture that. God's saying, hey, we're a family in this together. And yet what we do in the church so many times, and if you know our story, we were a part of the foster care system. We helped resource families. We fostered kids. Um, and many, when you look at group homes or orphanages, and I worked with government officials, and they said this, hey, the government makes a poor family. But the church is usually pretty good at this. And so we need the church's help with this. Of many times in those foster care families, like, it can just kind of become transactional. Like, hey, you got clothes, you got food, you're at school, like, you're okay. Okay, we, you're surviving. You're not dying in this process. But that's not what family is. See, with my kids, I'm not just concerned that they have food on the table or they have clean clothes to wear. There's a... Um, shelter over their head like they have a home no I want to know how are you doing emotionally are you growing like I'm in close relationship not just close proximity why because we're family we care about one another that involves deep relationship that means we're connected to one another and you guys we don't always do this as the church can I show you how we do it sometimes can you imagine um, some of your close friends and you're at the hospital with them, right? And they just had a newborn baby and you're excited and you're following them home and you're celebrating like this brand new baby and they're headed home. And then if they stopped at a corner and took the car seat and the baby and just threw it out and said, we'll be back next week. But you and I, what do we do? We invite our friends. We pray a prayer with them at the end of service and we say, we'll be back next week. 
and we don't call them and we don't check in on them. We hope they can feed themselves spiritually. We hope they can take care of themselves spiritually. We somehow hope they'll get back next week into this same building where we can say a quick hi and how are things going and awesome, good. But that's not family. You hopefully don't show up for your spouse just once a week for an hour. Or check in with your kids once a week and say, hey, everything good? Okay, I'll be back next week to ask again. That's not how we operate as family. See, Jesus is saying this disciple-making process, you got to be in close relationship with people. you got to know people. you got to open up your life and walk close to them. And that's this imagery that Jesus gives us of, hey, this isn't just throwing people to the side and saying, hey, hope you can survive spiritually. Hope you make it in your walk with Christ. No, this is us saying, hey, I'll walk with you. If you're just starting, I'm going to be on this process with you. I'm in this thing with you like I'm family. I so desire to see you grow and to see you develop like that's my heart in this. And in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18, Paul says this, For through him, this is Christ, we have access to the Father by one spirit. Look at what he says to the church. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners or strangers. You're fellow citizens with God's people. You're members of the same household. You're a family together. He said, you're no longer Romans or Greeks or Egyptians or Jews just sitting in a building together. He said, no, now you're family. You are connected to one another. That's what making disciples is. It's getting to know each other. And we need to walk. We must walk in deep relationship with each other. That's what Christ is calling us to, that we would walk in deep relationship with each other. In order to fulfill these words of Christ, it has to go more than fist bump after service. How are you doing? Great. Have a good week, and I'll see you next week. You guys, some of you are messing it up because you come into this room, and after I say amen, your quickest thought is, how can I get out of here the fastest? You don't have relationship with anyone else. And can I tell you this? If people don't know you on a deeper level, if you can't look around this room and say, you know what, someone knows my life. They know some things about me, right? They care about me, and I care about others. I know some things about other people. You are missing the discipleship that Jesus has called us to. And that word right there should scare you, that you're missing it. If you don't know people on a deeper level, how can you possibly help them reflect Christ better? If you rush in this room and rush out as quickly as you can and no one actually knows your life, how can you teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded them? I would say you can't. And there's a reason these are Jesus' last words. He wanted to leave this with us that we would not forget this. Go and make disciples. That means your family to me. Now, before you break into cold sweats and you start to panic, okay, I realize we can't do that with everyone, okay? Like, it would be very hard. It's very hard for me, to, for all, you know, a couple hundred people that call NCC their church home to always be checking in. That's why we all need to do it. That's why it's each and every one of us. That's why you have to stop sneaking in and sneaking out and trying to go unnoticed and fly under the radar. And you get to, you get to know some people in this church because that's what making disciples looks like. 
is that you would open up your life and open up my life. That's so vitally important. We need to walk in deep relationships with each other. Can I tell you another way that we've missed it? We have chosen comfort over truth. We have chosen comfort over truth. I'm going to have to step off the stage for one second because I forgot my illustration here. A couple of years ago, um, just at the beginning of 2020, um, we were told we needed to wear these. Now, I need you to set aside political thoughts, okay? Just get those out of your mind. I know you're going to try to go there, but don't, okay? Just think about wearing this. Um, and I remember first having to put this on, like going into shops or different things. Um, and so I, I put this on. Hopefully you can still hear me. And all of a sudden, I became aware of something. My breath stinks. <laughs> it does, you guys. I brush my teeth. I use Listerine. I chew gum. I do all of this. And yet my breath smells really bad. And I noticed that. I couldn't get away from it. I thought, why don't they make mint-smelling masks at this point? We're a year and a half later, and I still have to smell my breath. But it's just the reality of kind of where we're at. This showed us that. Can I be honest with you? I talk close to some of you guys. Like, we're close. You know, you're sharing stuff with me. You've probably noticed at some point, man, Pastor Aaron's breath stinks. <laughs> he has coffee breath. But wait a second, he doesn't drink coffee. What do I do in this moment? I don't know what to say. Can I be honest? Some of you guys, your breath stinks. It does. This helped us realize this. Discipleship is like putting on a mask. You get close enough to people to see that they stink. And can I tell you why some of us don't do discipleship? Because it's a messy, smelly process. It is. Like it just is. You get close enough to people like this and you start to realize, wait, they're not that great. <laughs> like they're not, they're not perfect. They have some real issues. Like there's some struggles they're going through. And so this is what we've done in this process. We've chosen comfort. I'll just stay far enough away where I don't smell you and you don't smell me. And we forfeited truth. We're not close enough in each other's lives. But Jesus, he speaks this powerful truth as he draws close to people. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, Paul says it like this. Instead of staying as babies in Christ, instead of just staying as immature Christians, let's speak the truth in love. And if we do that, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. He's saying, do you know what maturity is linked to? It's linked to open, honest conversations that you can have with others. If you want to see people stop just being infants in Christ and actually grow up, that means you're going to have to speak the truth in love. You're going to see things in discipleship, in this disciple-making process about people where you're like, wow, didn't know that about them. And you're going to have to have an honest conversation. Hey, have you ever noticed, Aaron? That your breath stinks? Like those kinds of conversations. Now, let's set that illustration aside, okay? Um, and I want you to think spiritually. Do you know someone well enough where you know their stinky side, their spiritual mess? Like we need that. We desperately need that. And I'll just tell you, if, if you're walking close with me, you're going to see me get frustrated at my kids. 
I am not a perfect pastor, so if you were looking for that, there are some other great churches all around this place, okay? But that is not me. And I need people that challenge me, that would say, hey, are you being careful the way that you talk to Sarah and that you're not getting frustrated with her? And, and I need Sarah to challenge me in that. And so if you walk closely with me, you know, if I get stressed, I'll get frustrated and I'll try to isolate myself. And that's not healthy for my wife or my family. And discipleship is where we're close enough to see that about each other. Can I be honest with some of you guys? Some of you like to gossip. Like you love to share that information. Oh, did you know this about this person? You stink. You stink. And you need someone close enough to you that's going to call you on that. Now speak the truth in love. It's because we're in relationship. Hey, we're close enough that I need to kind of mention this. Do you see this about yourself? For others of you, you devalue other people by lusting after them, by looking at pornography. That stinks in your life. That stinks. You need someone close enough that's going to call you of saying, hey, you've got to see people in the image of God. You've got to break some of those addictions and habits in your life. But if you choose comfort, hey, we'll stay far enough away. We never see that about each other. Some of you are so full of pride. You think you have the right answer. You're not teachable. You stink. You stink. You don't know how to accept correction or someone else disciplining you or instructing you. You think, no, I know best. You stink. And Jesus is saying, you need people close enough to you in your life that will get close. They can smell your, your stuff spiritually. And they can say, hey, can I encourage you in this? Can I challenge you in this way? I don't know if you're following Christ in this area of your life. Let's talk about that. See, we need to have those kind of open, honest conversations with each other that are so vital. We need to have those deeper conversations. And when you look at the life of Jesus, he does not shy away from this. I'll give you a few of these. You can write them down. I don't have time to read them, but you can go back later. In John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And if you don't know who that is, he's a religious spiritual leader over the nation of Israel. And Jesus begins to talk to him. And Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, wait a second, Nicodemus, you're leading other people spiritually and you don't understand the basics about God. That's a problem. Tell me that wasn't awkward. A religious leader and Jesus says, we've got a problem here. You don't understand some of the basics about the kingdom of God and you're trying to lead others. He did not shy away from difficult conversations. In Matthew chapter 16, we see in one moment, he says, Peter... You're hearing the voice of God like a person didn't tell you that. That's the spirit of God showing you that. And literally a couple minutes later, he's like, Peter, Satan's using you right now. Get behind me. You don't have the things of God in mind. Same person. Tell me that wasn't awkward. In Matthew 17, the disciples are trying to pray for someone to have freedom in their life, and they can't. Jesus looks at them and says, you're not praying and fasting enough. You're following me, but you're not doing what I'm doing. you got to pray more and you got to fast more. In Mark chapter 8, right? This right here, they're on a boat. He's just done this amazing miracle. He's the son of God. He's just demonstrated that. He took a little boy's lunch and he fed 5,000 people from like one Lunchable. This crazy thing happens, right? And Jesus starts talking to them about their spiritual condition. And they're like, oh, no, we didn't bring enough bread 
What if we get hungry? And Jesus is like, man, you can't see. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Seriously, you just saw me do this crazy thing, and you're still worried about having enough to eat. Jesus, over and over again, is willing to lean into the difficult conversation. You guys, we have to become a church where we're willing to talk to each other and where we know each other well enough where we can speak the truth in love. Where we can speak the truth in love. That's what this discipleship process looks like. Let me tell you one other way we've missed it. We've taken a command and we've made it an option. We've taken the command of Jesus and we've made it an option. I want you to look at that beginning verse again. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. And some of us, this is what we've done. When I get around to it, Jesus. Hey, I've got all this stuff in my schedule, but if I can fit you in somewhere, I'll do that eventually. Hey, Jesus, I go to a really great church, and we have some banners up that talk about making a thousand disciples. And I'm kind of in that process with them because I'm a part of that church. But I'll eventually get there. Other people are doing it, but I'll eventually get there. We've taken a command, and we've made it an option. You guys, that should scare us. That we could sit in this room. Now, let me say this. Some of you may be starting out in faith, and... You're being discipled. That's beautiful, but you can't stay there forever. You can't. You have to come to that place, and I know the truth because just reading about this and working in the church is there are people. You've sat here three years, five years, 15 years, 25 years, and you couldn't look at one other person and say, you know what, I've intentionally discipled them. We've missed the command that Jesus gave us. That's a problem, church. That's a problem. These are his last words. This is what he left us with, is I've saved you, I've poured my grace into you, I've taught you, I've brought you up, I'm raising you to maturity, and now I need you to walk closely with others, and I need you to have some intentional conversations with others. And some of us are still thinking, we'll get around to it someday. Or we mistakenly think, that's the pastor's job, right? That's what I do up here every week when I talk to you a few minutes. That's what Jesus meant. That's not what he meant. Read the Gospels. Read the life of Jesus. He got close enough to people to be in deep relationship with them. And then he said, hey, let's have some conversations Because I want to help you see the kingdom of God. I want to help you grow. I want to help you develop. I want to help you become all that God is dreaming for you. Church, we need to stop stalling and we need to get started. We need to stop stalling and we need to get started. I know this is uncomfortable to hear. I know it's difficult for some of you that think, hey, this is my walk with Jesus. I come in here for an hour, I pray in the morning, and that's what God requires of me. Jesus has invited you into building his kingdom. 
He says, I want you to be a part of this. He wants us to be a church that is making disciples, that we're multiplying, that we're taking what God has done inside of us and we're giving it to other people. You guys, we don't want to be a selfish church that says, I'm so thankful for how you've saved me, but I don't have time for other people. God, I'm so grateful for your salvation and your redemption, but I can't walk with others to help them understand that. That's not the kind of church that we want to be. That's why we've said by 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. That's each and every one of us. That's each person in this room. God is inviting you into this process of making disciples. And so I want to pray for us. I'm going to ask if you would take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. And you may be here this morning. And maybe you've never taken that first step of following Jesus. Not the kind of illustration that I did where Jesus, you do your thing and I'll do my thing and hopefully my life won't crash and burn. But where you said, God, you've got my attention. You've got my focus, Lord. However you're moving, God, that's how I'm going to move. Whatever you're doing, God, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow your rhythm, God, and where you're leading. That's the kind of relationship Jesus is inviting you into. And if you're not there, I want to encourage you to accept his invitation this morning. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. You may say, my life is really messed up, Aaron. Perfect. That's how Jesus wants you. He wants to meet you right at that point. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to have it all figured out. If you're worshiping with us online, maybe you've said, I'm just disconnected from God this morning. He wants to reconnect with you. And so I'm going to pray this out loud. I want to invite everyone to say this with me. Jesus, I come to you. I realize I need you. I know I've sinned. I've made mistakes. I want your forgiveness. So I invite you into my life. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate? We're going to talk about it in a moment, but if you prayed that prayer and you've been disconnected from God or you, want, you just started a relationship with Jesus, you don't have to do this alone. Let me say that again. You don't have to do this alone. We want to walk with you. We want to encourage you. We want to challenge you. Now, all of us in this room, we're going to take just one more moment and we're going to respond together from this message this morning. God is calling each of us. If you're a part of NCC, if this is your church home, God is calling you to be a part of this disciple-making process. And you can enter this process one of two ways, okay? The first is this, is, hey, Jesus and church, I'm just starting out. I don't have a lot of answers. Hey, that's great. We have people here at NCC that have been doing this for a little bit, and we are so excited to walk alongside of you. So we want to walk in close relationship. We want to get to know you, okay? 
Maybe you come in here on Sundays and you see other people worship and you hear them pray and you see their faith and you're like, man, I want what they have. Then that's how you can enter this process of going to someone and saying, hey, would you disciple me? And I see you every week. You've been doing this a while. Like, I need to know, how do you pray? Like, how do I have faith? How do I let God direct my finances? What do I do in my workplace? What do I do when I'm tempted? You need someone else to walk alongside of you. You can enter the process like that. So that's one way. Another way is this, of God, I know that you've matured me. And God, you've done some amazing things in my life. But God, I want to walk with others. I don't want to just keep this to myself. And so God is challenging you to stop just coming in this room and then quickly rushing out, but to be in relationship and to have difficult conversations with people, to intentionally walk through a disciple-making process with others. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you have your sermon notes, take those out or that piece of paper that you were writing. And before I pray one final prayer over us, I want you to just pray, God, give me two names. If you need to be discipled, you can look around this room or maybe you know someone that comes to second service and think over the next couple of weeks, I want to pray and I want to ask them to disciple me. Okay? So that's one way that you can do this. So in a moment, pray and whoever God brings to your mind, you're going to think of that. Okay? If you don't know, come talk to me and I can maybe direct you to some people. Okay? Because we don't want you doing this alone. The other is this, is some of you are mature followers of Christ and you've never discipled someone. That's going to stop. We want that to stop, okay? And so in, these, in this moment right here as I pray and as I get ready to direct, you're going to pray for two names. Could be someone here at NCC. Maybe it's a neighbor that you're close to. Maybe it's a coworker or a family member. But we want to fulfill this command that God gave us to go into the world and make disciples. You may have been in the church, and this is an honesty moment. I've been in the church 10 years, and can I be honest? I don't know how to disciple people. That's okay. We want to walk alongside of you. And so you may say, hey, I still need to be discipled. I've been doing this a long time, but no one ever did this for me. So I don't know how to do this for someone else. We want to help you. We want to bring you in this process. We want to fulfill what God's told us to do. But we want to make sure that none of us are just sitting back saying, well, it's just an option. I'll eventually get there. We want to be in this process. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop talking. And I'm going to give you a couple of minutes, just about a minute or two. And I want you to just ask the Lord, hey, Lord, who is it? I need to be discipled. And here are two people that I think I could ask to help me grow and mature in my faith. Or, hey, I need to disciple someone else. Here are two people that God's put on my heart that I can help grow and mature in their faith. So let me stop talking. Take a moment on your notes there. Just write that down. Listen to God's spirit. Ask him who that could be.
You may still be thinking that's okay, but just take that in your hand, or if you wrote that on your smartphone, just take your smartphone in your hand, and we're just going to pray together. Jesus, you've challenged us this morning, Lord. We understand this is not an option, God. Lord, we want to be a church that is making disciples. And so my prayer for each of us, wherever we find ourselves this morning, God, that you would bring someone in our life that can either disciple us or that we could disciple someone else, Lord. God, we want to help people grow in maturity, Lord. We want to stop just being people that sit next to each other, and we want to be involved in deep relationships, God. We want to have honest conversations where we need to have them, Lord. Help us to be intentional about this command that you gave us, Lord, to go into all the world and make disciples, Lord. Let each of us step up in this process wherever we find ourselves, Lord, to be a part of making a thousand disciples across three NCC campuses, Lord. I trust this is what you're calling us to, Lord. God, if we're scared, remind us of what you said. I'm going to be with you. Surely I am with you to the end of the earth, Lord. And we believe that, God, that you're calling us to do this, but we don't have to do it alone, Lord. You are with us. So help us to be that church, Lord, that's making disciples. God, I pray this in your name. Amen.